Welcome to the Table for One podcast, a podcast for those of you who are cooking for one. You'll find interviews with people who are cooking for one, nutrition tips, cooking tricks, and other practical topics for all my single listeners, and all without the mention of dieting or restriction because, well, dieting just kind of sucks. So join me as I explore the realities, the challenges, and highlight the joys of cooking for one in this busy world. All right, welcome back. I am so excited to continue my conversation with Julie. Julie is a culinary dietitian, and I had her on last week. We talked about what do I do if I don't like to cook. Today, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be answering the question: What if I don't know how to cook? Julie has some great ideas for resources for those of you who want to get started with cooking, who want to learn skills but don't want to be overwhelmed. She has some lots of really practical, simple tips for that. She shares some equipment to have on hand, and let me just give a spoiler alert that it's just three items, and I think that's fantastic. Again, not overwhelming at all. She shares some pantry staples, and then what I'm really excited to for you to hear is our conversation about how to really easily add flavor to meals, some of her favorite flavor combinations, and other spices and flavorings to have on hand. I I think that this is a really helpful conversation to listen to, particularly about the, the spices and the flavor, because I talked about how to make your food taste great a couple weeks ago, but this is really diving in deeper to talk about that. And she also shares some simple techniques that she would recommend for a beginner cook. So let's just dive right in. All right. Welcome back. So Julie, do you want to just share a really, really, really quick recap of, or an introduction to yourself, maybe for people who weren't able to tune in last week? Sure. So I'm Julie Harrington. I am a dietitian and a chef. So I started at Johnson and Wales University and my degree is in culinary nutrition. And I later after came, became a dietitian from the college of St. Elizabeth. And really what I'm doing now, it's the best of both worlds. I get to educate about nutrition through food. Um, I have a website, julieharringtonrd.com, where I'm sharing all my recipes. And I've been focusing a lot on recipe development, presentations, cooking classes currently. Oh, that's so fun. So you're kind of getting a cooking class, you know, by this podcast a little bit today. So really, really great stuff that we're going to be talking about. I'm excited. So let's just jump right in, Julie. We're talking about what if you don't know how to cook? Where are some good places to start? So um, let's start by talking a little bit about resources for people to get started. Do you have any resources that you would recommend? And that can be literally anything. Well, it really depends on where you want to start. So if it's really simple cooking techniques, it can be like typing in keywords on Pinterest and finding like roasted carrots if you want to learn the technique of that. Um, bloggers, obviously, I'm going to promote bloggers because that's what Rebecca and I do. Mm-hmm. Um, we're posting recipes all the time. Um, I love different magazines like Bon Appetit. I'm obsessed with their YouTube channel. Um, they have so many good cooking tutorials and techniques to watch there. Um, cooking light magazine, eating well magazine, all of those. I really get really great ideas from 
personally. So it's kind of finding one that kind of fits your vibe um, and sticking with it. That's great. I love the idea of YouTube because cooking classes in person are fantastic and you learn so much and get gain so much from it, but you have to go there and it's expensive and mm-hmm. and this is just so much more accessible and you can also, you know, instead of spending an, a couple hours in the kitchen, you can just watch one specific video to learn. Maybe you wanted maybe there's a technique in, you know, a recipe and you're not really sure how to do that. You can Google that and that's really easy. Um, exactly. Spe- yeah. Speaking of Bon Appetit, have you seen, I think it's Bon Appetit that does it, but they have, um, they'll have these kids eat all of these different foods from history. Have you seen that? Oh yeah. Those are so cute. It's so cute. It's so funny too. So anybody. They're so honest. That's yeah. what I love about you. Yeah, it is. And they're, yeah, so they're honest about it and it's just funny to see their reactions to the things and Honestly, probably I would react the same way to some of those foods that they do. So <laughs> it's fun. And I really love on Bon Appetit, the back-to-back um, with Carla. Um, she's the professional chef and usually a celebrity comes on and they're cooking back-to-back. So she's only instructing them through verbal instruction. Uh-huh. So that's really fun to see because it's really interesting because like – That made me really think about how I'm writing my recipes because it really needs to be super straightforward because everyone's going to interpret it a little bit differently. So everyone needs the end, the end result the same, but how do you get there? Oh, that's such a good point. Yeah. I've, I've seen a couple of those and I think it is, it's really interesting because it really takes a lot of knowledge in the kitchen to be able to decipher sometimes what these recipes are calling for. Because they, you know, I mean, you would hear them say something and when you can see what they're doing, it's really easy to know what it is. But, you know, you're standing in front of ingredients and and it's hard to know sometimes um, for some of those people. Yeah. And it's just fun to see some of them to who really know what they're doing and others who don't so much. It's that's funny. But yeah, that's such a great that's such a great um Great channel. I love um, the Bon Appetit one. So, okay, so as far as resources go, YouTube is fantastic. Lots of channels there. There's some magazines that you really like, um, and then also in-person cooking classes. How and then was, there's two uh-huh. other books that I really love. Oh, yeah. So one's called The Food Lab. Oh, yes. Um, I have that it's one. It's all cooking techniques. So if you're really struggling with just the basics, start with that. And then if you start getting the techniques down and you're looking for new ideas with like seasonings, um, the flavor Bible is a really awesome book too. And they have the flavor Bible and then the vegetarian flavor Bible. The vegetarian one focuses a lot on different seasonings and spices that go along with plants. So if you're looking to like really enhance the vegetables to make vegetables more enjoyable instead of the same technique that you're doing over and over again, they pretty much list um, a piece of produce and they tell you every spice combination that would work well with it. Yeah, I have both of those books and I need to use the Food Lab more, um, but I use the Flavor Bible all the time. I have the vegetarian one because I was told that it has a little bit more global flavors. And yeah, so, definitely. yeah, yeah. And it is, it's really cool to see the, like the combinations because you know, I've already talked about it. Unlike you, I don't have uh, an actual, you know, education in cooking and, and culinary. And so to be able to 
um, get creative in the kitchen. I need a little bit more of a, of a direction. And so that for me, you know, I can say, oh, I've got, you know, a lot of broccoli in my fridge, but I don't want to eat it the same way every day. So here are some seasonings to do that. Such, such a great resource. Both of those are. Yeah. Thanks for sharing those. Um, how about equipment? Do you have any recommendations for equipment to have on hand to get started? So in culinary school, my one chef was always like, you do not need fancy equipment. You just need a good chef knife, a good paring knife and a cutting board. And you can really get started there. If you want to start building your kitchen with more equipment for different cooking techniques and whatnot, then go for it. But you don't need a fancy kitchen to get cooking. I, that is such great advice. So I think, you know, I mean, if you, if you don't cook very much, you probably don't have much equipment and it's overwhelming to think, oh, then I, if I'm going to get cooking now, I need to buy all of this stuff and Really, you're just recommending a cutting board and a couple of knives. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Fantastic. Um, and we talked about it a little bit in our last episode about some things to have on hand, but do you have any recommendations for pantry staples? So whether that's in the actual pantry or in the freezer? Yes, definitely. Um, keeping your pantry and your freezer stocked is going to be key because especially if There's weeks, I try to, I get to the grocery store at least once a week, sometimes twice a week if I'm like testing different recipes, Mm -hmm. but there are weeks where my schedule is so crazy and I'm spending a lot of like computer time that I'm not necessarily getting to the grocery store. So I'm utilizing what I have on hand. Um, So canned beans is a definite must for me um, because beans are so quick and easy to cook with. Um, You can turn them into hummus. You can throw them into saute pan. You can roast chickpeas as a snack. Um, so those I like to keep on hand and it's a good source of plant-based protein. Yeah. Are also, there particular beans that you like to have on hand? Like different varieties? Yeah. I personally love chickpeas. I'm just, I don't know why I'm like so obsessed with them, oh, me but too, also though. like black beans, white beans, pinto beans. I always just try to have a variety ready to go. Okay. So the, just those four, that's a great place to get started. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else is in my pantry right now. I always have different grains. Um, but again, if you're not into cooking your own grains, having the frozen version uh, and just keeping them in your freezer, or if you want to get ahead of the game and you have time one afternoon, you can make the batch yourself and freeze it yourself. You can just put it into individual baggies and then it's ready to go. Yeah. I think that's, those are such great tips because, um, maybe you will have some time one day to cook, you know, maybe dried beans or the grains mm-hmm. as well. And that way you can save some money and kind of learn how to do that. I, I use my instant pot to make all of those and it's just the best thing ever. Like I actually don't buy, um, canned beans very often anymore. I'll just make them in my instant pot. But again, I work from home and I have more time at home to, to, you know, do that. But and the instant pot makes it very easy to do. Yeah, I've, I don't know if you've experienced this probably, well, I don't know, I'm curious, but I had the hardest time cooking beans. Like, I could not cook beans. Um, I would soak them overnight, I would cook them in lots of liquid, and they would just always be really hard. And then I got an instant pot for Christmas a couple years ago, and all of a sudden, 
like it's foolproof. I mean, as long as you have enough liquid in there, you really can't mess it up. And if they're still hard for a second, then, you know, start it again and cook for another five minutes. It's really, it's kind of like a miracle, um, piece of equipment. It's easy because you can set it and forget it. You don't have to constantly like watch the pot. Yeah, exactly. And you can't watch it because you can't open it, which is kind of a yeah, probably exactly. a good thing for me. <laughs> so fantastic. So as far as pantry staples go, frozen grains and um, beans, but also canned and then dry grains uh, and beans as well. Any other pantry staples that you really like to have on hand? Um, this one's always people are like, really canned salmon? I love canned salmon because mm-hmm. I really try to personally just get those fish two times a week just for the heart health benefits. But then also I really love seafood. Um, and canned salmon is so much more affordable, um, especially if you are on a budget and it's a good way to get salmon into your diet if you enjoy salmon, but don't want to break the bank every week. Yeah. That's such a great tip. What, what are your favorite ways to cook that or to, to use that canned salmon? Um, I sometimes just use it as is on top of a salad, but I do make a lot of like salmon cakes, mm-hmm. almost like a salmon patty or burger, um, by adding in some other ingredients. Okay. That's great. Yeah. And you know, canned tuna eggs, things like that are all less expensive and they can last a while as well. So you don't have to worry okay. about it going bad, which is always reassuring. That's another thing that I hear a lot. And I have experienced too, you know, when you're cooking for one, you buy, you know, uh, a lot of the, the sizes of ingredients are just bigger than what you would need. And so how do you use that up? Well, you can, you can, you can focus on some of those canned meats and they come in smaller packages and then also, um, freeze a lot of them. Honestly, that That's works. Nice. Yeah. So let's, my next question kind of combines the pantry with, um, cooking. So what are your favorite ways to easily add flavor to meals? And I guess it's combining it with the pantry. Um, you can share some of your favorite seasonings and condiments. So definitely keeping your spice cabinet stocked with your favorites and it doesn't have to be everything in it, every, like every ingredient out there but what do you really enjoy like for me I love garlic so garlic powder is a must for me in my pantry um thinking about how you want to add different flavors like I love smoked paprika um my my fiance's family's from Spain so they really got me into that smokiness of paprika and sweet paprika and even saffron because like his mom cooks with saffron a lot um, that's like kind of a unique ingredient though. So it's not always going to be found in your spice cabinet. Um, you want to think about different kind of cuisines too. If you want to go for like a cumin, curry, turmeric, all of those, you can start mixing and matching. But if you really want a shortcut, buy the seasoning blends. They have Italian seasoning blend, Mexican seasoning blend. So you don't really have to think about it. You don't have to really think about, okay, I'm going to add garlic, parsley, oregano to make my Italian blend. I'm just going to take this Italian seasoning and use it. That's such a great tip. And I, (laughs) I just, I think I only have the Italian seasoning blend, but that's such a great idea to use it for all of the other blends that you like. Cause you know, I mean, at least for me, I, I cook 
Italian flavored, I'll use that. And I'll use the Italian blend in a lot of dishes. And I also like kind of the the cumin and oregano, that, those more Mexican flavors. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that way you don't have to think about, you know, how much of this do I add or how much of that do I add? You just add the whole blend and then taste it um, along the way and add more if you want to. That's such a great tip. Any other condiments Definitely. or flavors you really like? Um, I love Dijon mustard. Mm. Anyway, I can like find a way to use Dijon mustard. I like to use that a lot. Um, I like shamelessly love ketchup too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I will dunk anything in ketchup. So Agreed. Good. So going back to the Dijon, do you, what do you, how do you use that? Um, I make, actually, I need to turn this into a blog post cause I make it all the time. I just haven't taken a picture of it yet. Uh-huh. Uh, again, back to salmon cause I'm like, I love salmon. I do like a Dijon kind of mustard glaze and then I pack in, um, um, either I grind up if I have like roasted chickpeas on hand, like the prepared ones, or even some breadcrumb, and you kind of press it in and it gets this like golden crust on top. Oh, so it's like a breadcrumb, but chickpeas instead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's such a creative idea. So you do that and Dijon mustard, and that's it? Yep. And sometimes I add in like a little bit of olive oil. So it's a little bit looser. So it's not so much Dijon mustard in your face. Mm-hmm. Like, cause sometimes it's depending on what brand, sometimes it's very, very potent. Yeah. Um, so that's such a great tip and see, there you go again. Like that sounds so delicious, has lots of different textures and flavors. And look at that. That's salmon. You said ground mm-hmm. chickpeas and Dijon mustard. That's three yep. ingredients. And then maybe four if you add oil to that. That's exactly. so easy. And I, you do I'm, with chicken too. I'm sure it would work with chicken. Yeah, totally. And those, I mean, those are ingredients that I have in my pantry right now. And I bet you do as well. And, and yep. yeah, I mean, if you have a well-stocked pantry, you can make lots of easy things. Oh, that's such a great tip. Any, any other um, ways that you like to add flavor to your meals? Um, I love the Trader Joe's everything but the bagel seasoning. Oh, yeah. That's so awesome. that goes on a lot of things I'm cooking with, especially like the quick meals that I just want like some instant flavor. So like I scramble eggs, everything but the bagel seasoning. I make popcorn as a snack, everything but the bagel seasoning. <laughs> like oh. it goes on so much. <laughs> oh, that's such a great idea. See there again. Yeah. One seasoning that you can use and you can use it in lots of different ways. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. So this might be... <laughs> a little bit overkill, but are there other than what we talked about, um, flavor combinations that you really like and, and go back to a lot of times? Um, for me, I, I like my one that I always go back to is like the Italian blends, garlic, mm-hmm. oregano, parsley. Cause that's like my roots. Um, but really I just kind of think about like what I'm craving at the moment. What what kind of flavors sound intriguing to me right now? And again, having it stocked in your pantry allows you to have that flexibility to play around with it. Oh, that's such a great point. So with um some of the resources that I have for people cooking for one, one of them is a pantry list. And with Mm -hmm. that comes, you know, kind of a couple of meal ideas. And so what I'm kind of gaining from this is that you can really easily, you know, cook up a grain, maybe some sort of protein and then a vegetable. And then you could use any of those different seasonings and you can have literally the same foods every night, but have it taste completely different. And that's, 
you know, a way to save time because you can batch cook those or just have Mm -hmm. them frozen and, but still have it be something different and something to look forward to without much effort. I also love different vinegars in my pantry, like balsamic vinegar, white balsamic vinegar, red wine vinegar, because that adds that acid and kind of a new flavor profile to a lot of dishes or like salad dressings. But I always say be mindful of what you are cooking it with for appearance-wise. For me at home, I don't care what it looks like if I know it's going to taste good. Mm -hmm. But for someone maybe trying new foods and you're making a quinoa salad and there's a lot of like light colored vegetables or even like strawberries or something in there and then you're putting a really dark balsamic on it it's going to almost look like a brown muddy color (laughs) so that's when I would choose like a white balsamic because also it's a little bit sweeter as well oh that's a good yeah that's I wouldn't have thought of that so if you're just trying to get comfortable with and trying different things maybe the way that it looks well I mean we eat with our eyes too so Mm -hmm. if it doesn't look as appetizing, then it might not be so exciting. Especially if it's a new food for you or you're serving it to somebody as well that's a new food for them. You want to make it look appealing. And it doesn't have to be like picture perfect, but a muddy brown color is not going to be super appealing to me. (laughs) No, not at all. Unless you know that it tastes really good and you've tried it many times, you know it's going to be good. Yeah, that's a great point. Do you, so can you talk a little bit more about vinegars? Because I'm with you. I love using vinegar. But again, for somebody who maybe, you know, doesn't know how to use those, what, what, what would you use a, um, a red wine vinegar in, for example? A dressing, it could be part of a marinade. Um, I really like making my own marinades instead of using like a bottled version because you can add oil, a vinegar, and some seasonings, and that's pretty much my marinade. Yeah, and for, for what, like, like 50 cents like too? Steak, chicken, even vegetables. Like right now it's a like grilling season, so marinating everything and anything to really – get that some good flavor going before it hits the grill is going to be awesome. Oh, that's such a great idea. Oh, you're making me hungry. How about <laughs> um, apple cider, cider vinegar is one we hear a lot about, but I love apple cider vinegar. What are some ways that, well, do you like it and do you use it? I guess I should start with. I do. <laughs> yeah, I like it a lot because it has like almost, it's like a little bit sharper than another vinegar because it almost has like a little bit of that sour note if you're kind of balancing the sour and sweet yeah. in there. Um, so I like that a lot for dressings. Okay. Oh, that's a great idea. Fantastic. So you, I mean, you can use all of them in dressings or marinades oh. um, and kind of just use them as you want to. How Can you talk a little bit about the balsamic and the white balsamic? What would you use those for? And also you said a little bit, but tell, share the difference between those two. So white balsamic, and there's also golden balsamic, obviously, the color, but also it's going to be a little bit sweeter. Um, So your dark balsamic, I like to use a lot, again, in marinades, especially if I'm marinating, like, steak or something, because it's not going to really change for the color. Um, But something like if I'm making a dressing and I'm putting it on um, light-colored veggies, I would maybe use a light the white balsamic. Um, I have a recipe on my website for this like roasted sweet potato kale salad that adds like hints of sweetness from the sweet potato. There's also dried cranberries in there. So it kind of fits in with that flavor profile a little bit more too. So you want to think about like matching flavors together. Oh, that's such a great idea. Yeah. And 
we'll include that the recipe for that salad in the show notes. So if you're interested in trying it out, that's a great, great place to start. Uh, yeah. So as far as flavorings go, we talked about spice mixes and really focusing on blends to make that easy. And then also vinegars, um, and Dijon mustard is one of your favorites. What else do we talk about? Is that about it? For our condiments? Yeah. Um, let me think. I'm kind of like, I like condiments, but I kind of like want the like food to speak for itself. I think a lot of times we use condiments to mask mm. the, the flavor, but I also want to make sure that I'm seasoning my food properly to really showcase that. Because I see a lot of times that we're masking our food with the different mm. condiments and all you're tasting is really the condiment. It's so true. If it's going to be a vessel to get you to eat that food, sure. Especially for kids, like I am a big promoter in ranch dressing. If that's if your kids are going to dunk carrots and celery and broccoli into ranch, that's the perfect way to get them to enjoy vegetables. But again, hopefully they'll transition to be able to eat them alone as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great thing. Yeah. And so maybe you make a maybe you make a dinner. I I've done this kind of recently. I made cod which I usually like but I am realizing I like it in certain ways and I didn't mm-hmm. really like how it turned out that much so instead of throwing it away I just added barbecue sauce and that's really all I could taste and it worked for that because well, it wasn't my favorite found a lot barbecue sauce I'm addicted to this one it's called dinosaur barbecue sauce there's oh. this like barbecue restaurant in New Jersey that they invented this barbecue sauce, but I like it because it's like not too sweet and, um, it just, it's really good. It's so good. It's called dinosaur. Uh, I don't know if they would have it in my store, but I definitely go take a look. (laughs) That's great. I think they're more nationwide now. Oh, are they? Yeah. I'll have to look around for that. So dinosaur, that's an easy, Mm -hmm. that's an easy name to to remember. All right. That's fantastic. So, We've kind of talked about a lot of the um, pantry staples, ways to add flavor. Uh, oh, one other thing that I wanted to talk about was simple techniques. So again, you, you know, you're working with somebody who doesn't have much experience in the kitchen, wants to learn how to cook. What are some cooking techniques that are pretty easy to get started with? So mastering the basics, so like mastering how to roast vegetables, and it may sound so easy to some people, but others, they're not doing it right, and it's not coming out in the right way, so they may think, okay, I don't really love roasted vegetables. You might not be doing it correctly. The biggest mistake with roasting vegetables I see is people put their veggies on a pan, they're not cut the same size, they don't have to be perfectly cut the same size, but think about just that. If you have some big pieces and super little pieces, the little pieces are going to burn right away while the big pieces are undercooked. Then another mistake I see sometimes is that you take your pan and you just take the olive oil bottle and you start just drizzling it over. Number one, you're probably adding too much oil. But number two, it's not really being dispersed. Even if you're kind of mixing them around afterwards, think about if you're roasting broccoli. There's all those little nooks and crannies in the florette, and that olive oil is not really going to go in there. So anytime I'm roasting vegetables, I take a bowl, and I put all my chopped veggies in there, and I do one or two tablespoons max of olive oil, and you just really give it a nice toss. And just so they're glistening, they don't need to be saturated in oil. 
and you put a nice even layer and you pop them in the oven. That's such a good tip. You know, I'm one, I, I 100% do that. I'm not going to take another bowl out to have to wash. But then again, mm-hmm. like bowls are really easy to wash. It would take me another 20 seconds probably to wash that. So that's not that big of a deal to be able to have. And once you start doing it, you're going to stick to it because it comes out so much better, so especially much like better. broccoli or something that has all those nooks and crannies that you're getting this like perfect char and roast now as you're, as it's cooking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think some, you know, it's, it's hard to find that balance of shortcuts that, you know, save you time and don't, um, you're not missing out on anything. Like it doesn't, what am I trying to say? So you're not, you know, if there's a difference in quality or how things will come out, then it's worth it to take that extra time. And I Mm -hmm. think that's one of those perfect examples. That's fantastic. Any other tips, um, or techniques that you'd recommend other than roasting? Um, working on your knife skills because a lot of times I hear prep is too time consuming. It's just becoming more efficient with your knife skills. And then if you don't want to chop, use a shortcut. Um, America may, is making things super convenient. So if you don't want to buy chopped onion or if you don't want to cut an onion yourself, they have chopped onions either in the fresh produce or in the frozen department. So there are shortcuts in that way and you're still getting the same outcome. Yeah, that's such a good reassurance, I guess. You know, I mean, it's it's going to be a little bit different, but at the end of the day, you're getting a bunch of chopped mm-hmm. <laughs> onions or whatever, and that's going to save you a lot of time, and that's worth it. Mm-hmm. That's great. Any other techniques that you'd recommend? Um, also, too, like sautéing, don't over-season or don't over-oil your pan okay. because you just want enough to coat the pan for your your um, food to kind of just – sautéing means like for your food to kind of jump around like back and forth in the pan. So you don't want to overcrowd your pan and you don't want to over-oil. Oh, and the biggest mistake is get your pan hot before you add your oil and then let your oil get hot before you add your food. Oh, that's something that I've recently started doing. And again, that makes things a lot easier and it tastes better too. With cold oil, that food is just going to absorb it really quickly and you're going to have to add more and potentially now you're burning something. You're just not getting even cooking. Mm, Okay, there you go. And that, that again, like you're not wasting time. You're not, you know, adding steps. It's just, you know, the order there and one thing at a time. So heat up your pan, heat up the oil, and then add the food. Would you say that for pretty much anything that you're sauteing? Yes. Even so, like when you're making pancakes, you want your pan to be hot first before you add in your batch of pancakes. Yeah, you don't want any blonde pancakes, or at least I no. don't want any blonde pancakes coming out. <laughs> I like the nice golden brown. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great tip. And again, that's a universal one, so that's really easy. Well, thanks so much, Julie. I learned so much, and I hope that everybody else who's listening has learned at least one thing that they can take and to make their life easier and to have better tasting food. So again, why don't you share how people can follow you and we'll be good. You can find recipes at julieharringtonrd.com or you can follow me on social media at at chef julie underscore rd. Fantastic. Again, thank you so much, Julie. And I hope you go and follow her because she's got lots of great cooking tips as well as really delicious recipes on her website. And you can see those on Instagram and other social. Thanks so much for joining me today, Julie. Thanks for having me and happy cooking, everyone. 
Thanks so much for listening to the Table for One podcast with Rebecca. If you're cooking for one or know somebody who is, make sure to subscribe to the Table for One podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way you can stay up to date on new episodes that will help you make cooking for one easier and more enjoyable. Feel free to continue the conversation over at in the Table for One Facebook group. You can also find recipes or work with Rebecca over at nourishnutritionblog.com. Or honestly, the easiest way is to follow me on Instagram. My handle is nourishnutrico, and you can click on the link of my profile to get more great resources for cooking for one. Talk to you next week.